We're going to be in Titus, small epistle there in the New Testament. And uh, why don't I just start off, if you'll let me ask you a simple question. And that question is this, why? Why? That is the prime question of every two and three-year-old in the world, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't matter if you say something around them, if you make a statement around them, the number one question they want to make, say to you is, why? Why? You say, the, blue, the sky is blue. Why? And that's usually as far as I go. Till I get to because. And then something happens when our kids get to about preteen and teenage years. They understand that that question, why, can get pretty annoying pretty quick, can it? And so every statement, you ever, you ever go to this uh, conversation with your preteen, you say something, they go, why? You say something else, they go, why? Something else, you go, why? And in the love of Jesus, you want to strangle them. <clears throat> That's when you really make sure your child knows Jesus because they're going to meet them pretty quick. So, <laughs> Still, with all of that, it doesn't negate the power of this question and the reason why we must know the answer to it. And that's what this series is all about, uh, answering the question why. Because knowing the why is the key to understanding our purpose. Knowing the why defines and gives purpose to the what and the how. And since we're going to apply this to the church we, and be focused on the church, let me uh, use the church as an example to what I'm talking about here. So if I was to ask the question, what are we? We would say we're a church. We're a body of believers. And what do we do? The answer would be church stuff, right? We do church stuff. We, we worship, we preach, we have Bible studies, we have midweek services, we uh, uh, sponsor and, and uh, send missionaries around the world, and we try to sponsor local missions and do local stuff. And, and so the question would be, how do we do church stuff? Well, we plan, we strategize, we create programs, and then we implement those plans and strategies and programs. And guess what? That is what every church on the planet does. That's church. That's, that's how it works. That's, that's, that's what we do. That's, that's how it gets done. However, and I want you to listen to me very carefully, the only churches that truly succeed, the only ones who really make an impact on their community, the only ones that genuinely see the power of God exhibited in changed lives are the churches that understand why they do what they do. Not simply that they do it, not simply that, that, that it gets done, but why it is being done. And listen to me very carefully, and this will be on the screen. The churches that do not understand the why die. They die. And so we need to make sure that we understand the why. Therefore, we must ask ourselves questions like this. Why does Marquette Community Church exist? Why do we have a church? Why are we here? Why, why does this uh, entity exist? Is it because Marquette County simply needs another church? Well, the last time I checked, there's 24 churches that I know of, maybe more of in Marquette County alone. Do we just need to have another church? 
Why do we gather together each week? Why do we come together? Why are you here today? Is this so that you fulfill your duty on Sunday? Is it because, as I've heard many people say, well, if I don't make it to church on Sunday, the rest of my week goes wrong? right? Uh, this just kind of fills the habit. Uh, I remember growing up as a child making this comment to cousins and others, why do you go to church? Uh, because my parents make me, right? Or maybe your spouse makes you, or maybe that's why you're, you're here. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we have the programs that we have? Is it just to fill up time? Is it just because other churches are doing it? Or this is my favorite one, why haven't we stopped some of the programs that we, we need to stop that aren't doing the work any longer? Why? The why is so very important. Without the why, we, sit, we are simply a church. Listen now, we are simply a church that does what a church does, hoping to accomplish something for God, but in reality, just spinning our wheels and wasting resources. If we don't understand the why, then we don't accomplish what God wants for us. As a matter of fact, as I said, those churches that don't know the why die. Did you know that on average, every year in the United States of America, 4,000 churches close their doors? Every year, and that's a conservative number, a very conservative number of churches that don't make it because they don't understand the why. So why? Why do we do this? Why, why all of this? We're going to explore that the next four weeks uh, in this, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote to his apprentice, Titus. Pa uh, Paul was um, mentoring Titus. He was a young pastor, and he lays out the vision, the vision for what the church is supposed to do, and he gives it to Titus. And It's interesting, in, Paul, in Pauline fashion, Paul is a, is a writer like me. He doesn't know how to punctuate, all right? So we've got four verses here that is actually one complex sentence, all right? It's just one sentence. And so let's read it in its entirety, and then the next four weeks we're going to break it down. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That is the plan, that is the vision that God has for the church. And it is the vision that we have adopted. This is our, uh, our uh, passage, if you will, our vision text, if you will, that we have adopted to be the vision, the plan for our church. In the next four weeks, as I said, we're going to take this apart in four different places to show you the why. And the first we're going to do is I want to lay the foundation of why we do anything we do in this church. The foundation is found in verse number 11, and it says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now, I hope that if you've been around here for any length of time, one word, and of course I highlighted it, I had to, but one word jumped off the screen at you, and I hope it's the word grace, okay? Grace. If I could sum up the why in one word, the word would be grace, Okay? But the question we have to ask then is, well, what in the world does that mean? 
and, and how does that look? If, you know, we, we have all these fun church words that we use that sum up all these things, and it's like going, that sounds great, but I have no idea what it means, right? So let's figure out what it means. Let's figure out how it applies to our lives. And we see here that in God's amazing grace, the first thing that we see, the foundation that we see here in God's amazing, outrageous grace and love for us moved Him to bring salvation to us, to all people. Man sinned against God. That's the fact of life. Man has chosen sin. Man has sinned against God. And as a result of that, we have destroyed the relationship between God and man. Because of sin, there is a uh, division between us and God. And God, having every right to say, listen, man has sinned, I'm done with them, I wipe my hands, I'm done, forget it, just send them all to hell. He had every right to do that, said, absolutely not, in my outrageous love and grace, I will restore the relationship between man and God. Think about that. Can I put it in earthly terms? You walk up to somebody and you just... You hit them. You cock them upside the head, boom, put them out. And they come back to you and go, I'm sorry, let me make this right for you. What? That's what God did. We shook our fists in the face of God. He says, I'll make it right. And you know what he did? He enrobed himself in human flesh. Came as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who lived amongst us. And endured everything we did. Went to the cross and bore our sins on his body. Paid the price for us. Redeemed us from hell. And whoever will come and repent, ask forgiveness of their sin, put their faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, can and will receive the salvation that God freely Gives. Why? Because God in His outrageous grace came to man who sinned against Him and said, I'll make it right. I'll cross the bridge. And for everyone who receives it, for everyone who calls out, receives this precious gift. But then, that's the beginning for us. We have everlasting life. We have life with God. But then the responsibility gets passed on to us to share the greatest news that can ever be shared. Do you recognize that the gospel message is the greatest, most powerful, most exciting news there is? We look at it as a burden. But it's amazing. Three weeks ago, I'm going I'm to test you now. You ready? Aren't you glad I'm back? I'm testing you. Three weeks ago, we just finished our series in uh, Luke, on the, and, and we looked at the Great Commission. And we made a statement three weeks ago that I wonder if you can finish this statement. Next slide, please. It says this. The Great Commission is your greatest... Oh, you guys are good. Mission. Mission. That gives you all extra heaven points. Good job. The Great Commission is your greatest mission. It is my greatest mission. What is the Great Commission? To go into the world and make disciples. In other words, 
What he says here is that wherever you go, listen now, wherever you go in your world, you have your very own world. You have your very own sphere of influence. You have people that God brings into your life, and he never brings anybody into your life by accident. They come on purpose because that is the world that God desires for you to reach. And when those people come into your world, we are to share our faith so that others will have the opportunity to come to salvation. In other words, if I can put it in one word, the foundation of our purpose and vision is evangelism. Why does Marquette Community Church exist? At the foundation, at the core, we exist to take the good news, the gospel message, salvation to the world. That's first and foremost. And the problem is this. The evangelical church in America has abandoned evangelism. Think about that statement for a minute. The evangelical church of America has abandoned evangelism. What's the definition of evangelical? To teach the gospel. <laughs> right? And the reality is, is that the evangelical church does anything and everything but share the gospel message of salvation. And that's not just in the pulpit, that's the church as a whole. In preparing for this sermon, I listened to a podcast uh, between two of the greatest church leaders and, and church health leaders of our day. You may have heard their names, may not, but it's Kerry Neohoff and Tom Rainer. And Kerry Neohoff was uh, interviewing Tom Rainer, and Tom made this, this statement. I can call him Tom, we're on first name basis. Tom Rainier is very active in watching the statistics and the ups and downs of the church. And he said in 1990, they started, his organization started looking at the evangelical church and the decline of, uh, of evangelism. And in 1990, it was, it was uh, declining steadily at that point. And today, most evangelical churches today do not even approach or give the gospel message ever. It's almost completely gone. And according to both of these experts, evangelism has left the evangelical church. Why has this happened? Why, why has the evangelical church uh, turned from the gospel? Well, if I can sum it up this way, Tom Rainier wrote an article in 2012 entitled, If I Were Satan. And I think this paragraph sums it up really well. I don't know if you can see it well or not, but I'll, let me read it to you. He says, If I were Satan, I would make certain church members understand that evangelism is not relevant in today's society. I would tempt leaders to stay away from urging members to be engaged in gospel sharing lest they offend someone. I would dissuade everyone in the church to, think about, to not think about hell. It's really better to keep it at, as an abstract concept rather than contemplating the eternal consequences of rejecting Christ. And I would tell church leaders to send their called pastors and missionaries to seminaries where evangelism is an afterthought. 2012, he wrote that, and today that's pretty close to what's happening. And I'm here to tell you, church, and I want you to understand that evangelism is the most relevant thing we can do today. Because listen to me very carefully, the only answer for every single problem in life is Jesus. He's the only one that can solve the problems of the world. 
I am thankful for the programs that we have, the 12-step programs, the things that help other people. But all of that helps here and maybe helps for a time. The only help that we have for eternity and for the soul and for the true problems of this world is Jesus Christ. The gospel will offend. Absolutely it will. You know why? Because truth often does. But hell is real. Hell is judgment. Hell is eternal. And those who reject Christ will go there. It's not a story. It's not a fable. It's not made up. It is an absolute reality. And as your pastor, I want to say to you, as long as God allows me to pastor this church, the number one goal will be to fulfill the Great Commission until Jesus comes or I go home. And I hope that encourages you, and I hope that you, you agree with that, and I hope that you're like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. But that still doesn't answer the most important question. Why? Why? Why is this important? Why is this the foundation of our church? Why is this the, the mission that Jesus has given to us? Why is this so important? Let me sum it up, sum up the why in two words. All people. Grace has appeared, Jesus Christ, to bring salvation to all people. What does all people mean? All people. God's grace is not extended to a select group of people. God's grace is not extended to just some. God's grace is extended to all people. In other words, let's put it this way, all people matter to God. All people matter to God. God may hate what they do. God may hate what sin does to them and turns them into, but God loves every single person He has created. How do I know? Well, our verse right now, Jesus died and bore the sins of all people. Peter tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans 10 tells us, Paul wrote, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who wants to be saved can be saved. Everyone has an opportunity. Every person is a soul, and every soul is precious to God. That's why it's so important, church. Listen to me carefully. It is so important that we view the world the way that God views the world. We live, listen now, we live in a world of hate. But God tells us that when we look at others, that we're not supposed to see just the person. We're supposed to see the soul, which means that we must look past the sin. We must look past the anger. We must look past the hatred. Are you sitting down? We must look past. Oh, this is going to get me in trouble. I'm glad I'm back. We are going to look past the political party. Democrat or Republican. 
we are to look past, listen now, the quote-unquote lifestyle. And we must see every soul matters to God. Church, I think it's so easy for us to look at people and situations and circumstances and all we see is the sin. Can I tell you a secret? The world is going to sin. You know why? Because the world knows nothing else but sin. Which means we've got to look past that sin and recognize that that is the person that if they died without Jesus will spend an eternity in hell. Church, does that even move you today? Every soul matters to God and must matter to us, which should motivate us, church, <laughs> to be just like Jesus. Jesus never, ever pushed anyone away except for those religious crazy people that were too good for anybody else and didn't care at all about people. Do you recognize that? The only people Jesus didn't like were the people that didn't like others, right? We need to show love to the loveless. Show compassion to the compassionless. Show kindness to the unkind. To render hatred and give them love. To, to show love to those who are even hateful. To help those who are in need. To care for those who are hurting. To not, listen, to not be repulsed or turned away from the filth of sin in the life of the sinner. I have had pastors, listen to me. I have had pastors say to me that this group of people, because of the sin that they are in, do not deserve God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. In other words, church, don't worry about changing the outside until Jesus had a chance to change the inside. And so church, what we have to do is we have to build a bridge of love so that we can share the gospel truth. Do you recognize that our culture, listen, our culture has drastically changed in the last three years. It's not been the past decade, not been the past 15 years. In the last three years, our culture has flipped upside down. Our culture is one of skepticism. Everyone believes they're being lied to or scammed. Therefore, any success in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ comes only when we have invested and built a relationship first. You have to earn the relationship in order to speak the truth. Now, there are times that God moves where, where we may not know the person, and God says, hey, say something, and, and we listen to the Holy Spirit, and we do it. But in the day and age that we live in, 90% today, you must befriend the person before you have access to share the good news. It's where our culture is. It's what we have to do, which means this church, it means we have to invest it means we have to be serious. 
It means that we have to recognize that, that the why is people, and because the why is people, I am going to commit to the ministry that needs to be done. I'm going to commit to living the way God wants me to live. I'm going to commit to doing these things. Listen, the things of God are not uh, secondhand. What I mean by that is that it is time now that the games are over. It is time to say, I'm in or I'm out. I'm doing what God wants me to do, and I'm doing it wholeheartedly, and I'm surrendering to Him, or I'm getting out of the way so someone can do it. Because going halfway and playing the game is not going to cut it anymore. So, wow, he's back. He's worked up. Because, church, I want you to get my heart and the heart of God. People matter. It's not about building this church. It's not about filling all of these seats. It's about winning souls. And as we see souls won, then praise God, we'll see this place filled and see things happen. But I don't want to just get numbers in here. I want to see people's lives changed. What's the point if their life isn't changed? So here's the last thought that's so very important you need to recognize and why it's so important that we say, I'm in. I'm in. You ready? The world doesn't want the gospel. You know that? What child actually wants to go to the doctor and get the shot that they need, right? But the world desperately needs the gospel. Gone, listen, church, gone are the days where the average person walks off the street and enters a church building. They're gone. We don't live in that society anymore. We are not a church-centric society. We are a post-Christian society. Paul told us in Romans chapter 3 that the world does not seek after God. They seek after everything else, but they do not seek after God because they don't know to seek after God, which means this. Are you ready? We are commissioned and commanded by Jesus Christ to go. This right here is to inspire us and empower us and to build us up so that when we walk out those doors... We are living and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go. As a matter of fact, to be very honest with you, the church was never designed, and this is going to really throw you off, the church was never designed for the lost to come in and be saved. The church was always designed to encourage the churchgoers and the believers to get fired up for God, as we hope are happening here today, that you go out and go, I can't do anything but tell people about Jesus. And we're to win them out there, and then we're to bring them in here. Now, I'm not telling you, invite anybody and everybody you want to church. Knows Jesus, doesn't know Jesus, invite them, bring them. That's wonderful. But I'm telling you, our mission field is right out those doors. And I'm telling you, America, or can I put a real fine point on it? Montello, Oxford, Westfield, Nishkoro, Marquette County, that is today's mission field. The mission field isn't overseas anymore. As a matter of fact, overseas are sending missionaries to us. And we're here. 
And we have a community that God has planted us here to reach. That's the why. We must go. Jesus said these words in Matthew. When he saw the crowds, and I want you to see this word, he had compassion. When he saw the people, he saw the souls. When he saw the people, he knew their destiny was hell. When he saw the people, his heart broke for them. When he saw the people, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Do we not live in a confused and helpless world today? like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, in church we are his disciples, and he said to his church, the harvest is great. The harvest is great. But the workers, the workers are few. Church, we're the workers. We are the only workers. The only way the harvest is going to be reaped is through us. And the only reason why the harvest will be reaped is because we will buy into the why. And that is Jesus died for all people. And all people matter to God. The Great Commission is our greatest mission. And the foundation of our vision is this. Last slide this morning. All people matter to God and must matter to us. All people matter to God. I don't care what sin they're in. I don't care what lifestyle they're living. I don't care what drugs. I don't care. Uh, I'm just going to say it. I don't care if there's homosexuality. I don't care. I don't care. They're a soul. They're precious to God. God wants them in His family. And we have the message. And church, we must. We must be burdened. We must be burdened for souls. Let's pray. You can stand if you would, please. Oh God, I pray that I've been able to convey my heart, which I pray is in line with your heart. Oh God, I ask, I ask that you use these people in this church to go into this community, this county, and meet people where they are and love them enough not to let them stay that way. To just give the message of the good news and allow you, Holy Spirit, to do the rest. Use us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And with that, there is a Sunday school or a Wednesday night meeting. So please, if you can go to that, attend there. God bless you. Have a